it would be great to get into the Word. We're going to speak on fasting. What a surprise. And some people say, really, Clay, three weeks on fasting? That's like a lot, you know. There's 52 weeks in the year. You want to teach the whole counsel of God, and you're taking three weeks to preach fasting? Yes, we are. And I'm very excited about it. This fast has been, for me, tremendous so far, and just loving the feedback, the testimonies. I've heard many people say they feel like they're fasting for the first time with an understanding and with faith. And uh, which I, I love. And you know, the Bible says God's people perish for lack of knowledge. And I translate that as things are happening to God's people that shouldn't just because they don't understand. And I see that all across the body of Christ. So when we come into fasting, I'm going to walk with this. When we come into fasting, it's such a privilege. It's a key. I've got all these props. It's a key that the Lord has given us. And it's the key that the Lord has given us to turn in many, many situations. So I don't necessarily want to recap, but there's, there's a key that we've been given to turn. And the Lord really spoke this into my heart to do this. And I'm just so excited about it. I, I feel what it's doing in the spirit. And I want to give a little bit more ex explanation, a little bit more understanding today, some teaching. I woke up this morning. I had uh, further teaching about righteousness because we dealt with righteousness last, last week. And I just deleted that whole thing because I wanted to get into the promises of God that come from fasting. But let me just say this. Friends, when it comes to righteousness, I believe in my experience, and there's some white-haired amongst us that might say, well, I have more than you. That's true. But my experience in the body of Christ growing up all my life in the body of Christ and being in leadership or in ministry now for over 10 years, I've come to believe this one singular thing. The most confusion in the body of Christ, the most impact in the body of Christ for me comes from one area, not understanding the covenants. People placing themselves under different covenants, the people mixing two covenants, is that for me or was that for them? That one area destroys and there's confusion. And there was a man who once taught me, he said, when you mix different covenants, when you place yourself under many different covenants, it creates a monster. And that's what it does. And I spent four years pressing into this area, studying grace, studying righteousness. And people think righteousness is not a big deal. Friends, righteousness is a big, big, big deal. In fact, I'll read you this quickly. Hebrews 5 says this. Lord, let it be Hebrews 5. It says this. For though this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Everyone who partakes only in milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. In other words, unless we have some grasp on who we are, on who God says we are in this covenant, what righteousness means for us, there's many things that we can do. Whether Now, fasting is a great example because it's across all the Bible, across all the covenants. They did it. But there's many things that we can do. Prayer, fasting, whatever it may be. But we are, our approach to God is not necessarily always right because we're confused from the covenants. Well, do we do it like that? Do we do it like this? Amen? Who struggles? Who's had a struggle with this? Many, okay, wonderful. It's not wonderful, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Friends, basically what it's saying, mature people, a mature believer has an understanding of righteousness. So it's a little bit more than what they teach you in Sunday school. 
It's just an understanding that you are right. It's your position in Christ. My dad used to preach. I love it. He still preaches. That was a half a sentence. But my dad used to preach. It's not about your condition. Because we're up and down in our condition. It's about where you are positioned. And that's righteousness. And you start at the end of the race a winner. That's a fact. You start at the end a winner and from there you go forward. And from there you run your race of faith. Amen? And so all I was trying to do last week was give you an understanding that you approach fasting, yes, with faith, but from an understanding of who you are. Because if fasting can wield such incredible power in the Old Testament, Ezra, it protected Ezra and all those who were with him on a journey to Israel. It saved the nation under Esther. It brought the law through Moses. I think Moses was over 80 probably around 90, was over 80, fasted 40 days, no food, no water, climbed a mountain and carried two stones down, broke them, climbed back up the mountain, and then because he broke them, God said, God wrote them with his finger. Crazy scripture, it says that. God's finger came and wrote. And then he says, well, this time you've got to do it. Now he's got to sit and chisel out, probably wasn't as smooth, chisel out the law and then carry it down again. While he was fasting. Now, obviously, that's supernatural. Obviously. But the point is, if fasting can wield such results, I don't even like the word result because God's not a vending machine, but such power in the Old Testament, how much more? Because they fasted, remember we said, toward righteousness. They fasted for righteousness' sake. They fasted on the Day of Atonement for righteousness. How much more if you're righteous? does it wield in the spirit realm. So much more, friends. But when you can position yourself like that, imagine Paul. I'm busy writing a series called Breaking Free from Religion. I'm nervous and excited because we're going to ride some golden calves out of the room. Ride them right out. Whip them on the way. Do the whole thing. Breaking free from religion. Friends, imagine Paul for a second. Just for a second. He has the Apostle Paul standing there on the Day of Atonement after he got saved, knowing that the blood speaks on our behalf, knowing that the veil has been opened, knowing that the cross has put Christ in us, the power of the Spirit in us, and he watches his countrymen, maybe his family, his old Pharisee brothers, still on the Day of Atonement, fasting towards righteousness, and he's saying, guys, you don't have to do that. Imagine what it did inside of him. Probably the anger that rose, probably the frustration, maybe compassion. Maybe some of his own flesh and blood family was still doing it in old way. That's why if you read all of Paul's epistles, he champions this thing of New Covenant, New Testament, because he stood and all around him were people that were stuck in an old wineskin with an old garment. They did the same things. They fasted, Paul fasted. They prayed, Paul prayed, with a difference, because he understood who God says he was. Amen? So just try and imagine the frustration. I think it was quite intense. As we know, Paul was an intense guy. I better keep this with me. Friends, I really believe that, and I've just seen such havoc in the body of Christ from a misunderstanding of who God says you are and what he has done and the righteousness that you do have. 
And I just, that's just one of my main, main passions, I think. Jen will tell you, I speak about it even at home all the time. Just imagine looking at them. Why are you using the blood of bulls and goats, guys? That's done. But there was such a fear in them to let go of the old, to embrace the new. And it's still like that today. But this is what I was taught. Yeah, but it's wrong. Come this way, into freedom. And when you see the freedom, then your morals change. Then your behavior changes, not before. You can try and try and try and try. But when you see what Christ has done, it awakens you. So we're going to go to Isaiah 58. You cannot preach on fasting without Isaiah 58. So we started it last week. I'm going to touch on it today. We'll see how far we get. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. I really believe people, someone said to me, why are you focusing so much on fasting? One of the reasons, friend, is that it's such a powerful weapon that I wanted to, it's not just about, I don't expect everyone to fast 21 days. I don't even expect everyone to fast. And let me just take legalism off this, this thing right now. 1 Samuel 30 talks about when David's wife and children and all their men, they, the, Pharise, the Pharisees, no, not the Pharisees, the Philistines, different, Philistines stole all their family. And so David went after them, and they went, and they had no food, they had nothing. I mean, they were exhausted. They went on this long journey. It's a long chapter. You can go read it. And David went after them. There were 600 men that went after the Philistines to get their family back. Just imagine, right? Imagine. So they went to get their family back. They got to a place, and they got to this place, and 200 of them said, listen, we are so exhausted. And we read that as what wimps? They were just tired? No, they were probably on the verge of death. They were so exhausted. They said, we cannot make the journey anymore. David said, you 200 stay here. The 400 of us will go. And they went and they won back. They won back their, their wives and their family. And they came back and it said there were some in the 400 who were wicked in their heart. And they said to David, they shouldn't receive any spoils, uh, plunder, because they didn't come with us. And David said this, we all partake of the same. We all share in everything as if they were there. So let me say, if you're nursing, if you're a, not a brand new mom, if you have a brand new child, if you have toddlers, if you are traveling extensively, if for some reason you either cannot fast or you fast one meal, don't let the enemy get into you and say, well, they're fasting. Don't let that happen because we're doing this corporately and we all share. I'm hoping, I've been praying, God, let people who do not fast experience breakthrough because of the corporate blessing. So just let me take that off for you and throw it away. Amen. So, but one of the reasons I'm speaking about it is because it's something that I'm hoping you can put into your life. It's not once a year. It's something that I'm hoping that you can put into your life. It's a key that you can, it's a sword or a key that you can bring out at any time and say, I need to do this right now. Because now you have some understanding of it. And so it's, it's, a, it's another weapon in your arsenal. Amen? So Isaiah 58. Let's go read Isaiah 58. All right. Isaiah 58.1 says this. Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily. They delight to know my ways. And as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. They take delight. That was actually a rebuke because what was happening in Isaiah, I believe, 
that just my personal belief that Isaiah stood up and prophesied this or preached this on the Day of Atonement. Because it keeps saying through the chapter, this is not the day of the fast. And it was speaking about the, I believe, the atonement, because they used to fast on the Day of Atonement. We covered that last week. But it says they delight in approaching God. Isaiah 29.13 says this. Can you throw Isaiah 29.13? Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. In other words, it's not in their heart. They fear me because they're told they're supposed to. They love me because they're told they're supposed to. And that's the paints the picture of what you see happening in Isaiah. In Isaiah's day, that had happened. And can I say, friends, it's happening today. It's the same thing. You're told you have to love God. You're told you should fear Him. You're told you should believe in Him. But it's not. There's something missing in the heart. And God is the God of the heart. Amen? So that's what we're going to get into when we're speaking about breaking religion. But that's the context of Isaiah 58. So then, he's, then they say, so why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls? There's that affliction of the soul. That's the reference to the atonement. The first mention, the first mention, you always hermeneutically, you look at the law of first mention when you read the Bible. The first time fasting was ever mentioned was Leviticus 16, where it says this is a day to afflict your soul in the reference to the atonement. Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, God speaking, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. And exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. And I said last week, today in the new covenant, we don't fast to make our voice and our prayers heard. We fast to make his voice heard in our hearts. That's a fact. I don't believe it's possible to pray and not move heaven. Think about that one for a little while. Is it a fast that I've chosen? Then he goes through this. Is it a fast that I've chosen? A day for man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush? That's humility, because fasting is the chief way to humble yourself. And to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast? An acceptable day of the Lord? He said, is this not the fast that I've chosen? Now, in the Old Testament, friends, when you look at Isaiah 61, what is Isaiah 61? The anointing of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news to to the poor, to set the captives free, to do all these things. We understand it in the spiritual context. But in Isaiah 61, he says, to declare the day of the Lord. They understand that as the year of Jubilee. So sometimes when you read the Old Testament, they were like, oh, that's the year of Jubilee. That means we don't work. That means we get double. That's all these wonderful things. Many prophecies have a double barrel. So Isaiah then, Isaiah 61, was speaking to them about the day of Jubilee because that to them was prosperity of soul. But in the New Testament, we see the Isaiah 61, we know it's breaking people free from bondage, from sickness, from sin. It's, and it's the same thing that we're going to look at here. Okay? Is this not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness? I prefer probably the only time, the way the NIV says it there, the chains of injustice. But we'll stay in the New King James, Andrew, lest we, lest we depart. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens? You know, I think that word bonds, just for those scholars, that word bonds comes from the original Hebrew word which they took the word hyssop. 
has to do with salvation, the blood of the Lamb. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Now, what they're talking about there in their day is actually the laborers. It's their workers. It's the yoke spoke of social injustice. Okay? So that's what it was talking about to them. Letting slaves free, letting people free, letting prisoners free. To us, we know it's different. Yes? Then it stays different. Listen. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Now, in a fast, if you want to share your bread with the hungry, good for you. I believe the New Testament, the bread is the word of God. It's to open the word of God again. It's to open the word of God to those who do not have it, to those who need it. It's to open it for their sake, behind closed doors, to pray. It's the, it's the living word. Then he says, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out personally. Obviously, you can do that. I think that's awesome. I think that's speaking of salvation. Those who are not a part of you. Hello? When you see the naked that you cover him, what is that? Shame. Genesis 2.25, they were both naked and they felt no shame. To cover people's shame. God's saying, you want to fast? That's great. There are benefits and results to fasting. When you fast, intercede for others. Pray for others. Cover their shame. Take care of them. Show them my word. So, he says, and do not hide yourself from your own flesh. King James says, your flesh and blood. What's that speaking about? Family, friends. If you need reconciliation in your family, fast for it. Fast for it. <laughs> it has power to break that. Some people say, well, you don't know my brother, or you don't know my dad, or you, yeah, I don't know them. But let it be broken as far as you're concerned. Yeah? Then, now, we're going to look at some promises. Good, promises. Gee, Clay, that was intense. Well, promise time. Everyone likes promises, right? So let's go over promises. See how sneaky I was. Do that stuff first, end with promises. People like me. No, I'm just kidding. Then, the Bible says, then. So a lot of that, if you look at the reasons why you fast, to humble yourself. I said the essence of fasting is to humble yourself. To humble yourself before the Lord. Well, there's many reasons, but the essence of it is to humble yourself into session on others' behalf. That's largely what Isaiah 58 is speaking. And the other one was um, to draw near to God. That is, for me, the essence of fasting. He says, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness, interesting, because this is prophesying of the new covenant, shall, shall go before you. So let me deal with the first one. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Now. I'm going to take a while to deal with this one, and we'll go over the others very fast. Friends, that right there is a big deal. It's a big deal. Why? It's speaking of Jesus. It's speaking of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I'll quickly go there. 
in John 1. You can just throw it up. John 1, verses 4 and 5. The Bible says this. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. Next verse. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus is light. Hello? Now, the key word in that sentence for me is your. Then your light. Your light. The light of God is trapped in believers. Is trapped. Every single one of you, friends, have a light inside of you. Dwayne, a couple months ago, maybe a month or two ago, preached, some of you will remember, on Isaiah 53. He had no notes. He memorized it. Who remembers that? It, was, it impacted me. And he came up here. He was weeping when he did. Sorry to remind them of your tears. And he came up here and he said how his spirit understands the truth, but his soul does this. Who remembers that? That impacted me. I haven't stopped thinking about it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You have a light inside of you. But this happens. And that's what happens. And I have come to understand that fasting does this. It's one of the chief ways to let what's in you out. Now it starts with Jesus. Isaiah 9.2 says this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. I love that verse. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. Why the shadow of death? Because cross hadn't come, death hadn't been dealt with. Those who dealt with the land, those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Isn't that beautiful? But because of the cross, we have that light in us. We do. My dad once did this thing where he took a flashlight and he put it under his shirt. He said, that's what you look like to heaven. Hello? Yeah. Who of you have seen X-Men? One or two people. Then I won't even bother with the example. It was a great example. But there's a light that you have in you. And that's how God sees. He sees the light. He sees a light that shines within you. Now, I wrote this. This is why in Leviticus 16, first mention of fasting, it says to afflict the soul. Isn't that interesting to you? Not the body, but the soul. <laughs> it's interesting to me. Why? Because your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. We know that. And the Bible says when you fast, you afflict your soul. You also obviously afflict your body. Those are the two things out of your tripartite man that do this. That cover the light that is, that is within you. And God has given us a key, a big key to say, my friends, it's not so much about me doing brand new or this and that. It's about taking that which has covered what I've put in you and peeling it back. That's what fasting does. So who is in you and what is in you? If you're sitting here, friends, everyone in this room has the same light. We have the same spirit. We have the same Jesus. And fasting does that. And people can see something. So 
I'm going to give you a little demonstration. I wrote you, God has given us a key to peel back what covers who is in us and what is in us. That's why the Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Now, there is something about light. I'm going to do a demonstration. Some of you may have seen that. Um, there's something about light. I'm going to light a match here. See this match? Now, what's interesting is when I light this match, the darkness around it scatters. The darkness around this light scatters. Now, let me ask you, is there more darkness in the room than this? Yes. But the darkness where the light is scatters. So what's the problem in the world? Is it the amount of darkness or is it the lack of light? Lack of light. No one goes into a room and says, oh, who turned up the darkness? No one says, oh, they say, who turned out the lights? Hello? The problem in the church, friend, is not when we go to a place and we say, oh, there's so much darkness here, I better not go there. Oh, there's evil here, it's going to get on me. The problem is not that, friends. The problem is this. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bucket. Hello? The problem, friends, is... Why do I say that? Because some of our theology tells us something that is not true. <laughs> I'm going to ruffle some feathers real fast. It tells us this. Don't go there because, you know, there's some demons there, or there's some stuff that's going to get on you. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's, it's so dark. It's evil. Oh, I feel, ugh, I've got to get out of here. You are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. No one buys a lamp and puts it under a basket. The problem in the church is basketed Christians. That's the problem. Basket cases. That's the word of the day right there. Tommy, well played, sir. Friends, it's a fact. I know the Bible says don't lay hands on anyone hastily and you can come up with some stuff. I just know this. What's in me is greater than what's in the world. But it's in you too. It's in you too. You have a light inside of you. And the Bible says when you fast, it says what? Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Darkness, my dad has said this for years, darkness always puts out light. Always, 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 always. Oh, did I say darkness puts out light? <laughs> and really, it's an interesting message. It's an interesting message. But light puts out darkness. Friends, it's scientifically true. You cannot, you cannot. When light comes, darkness scatters. If God's people would understand who he says they are, we would have a different church here and every other place because you have a light inside of you. Fasting peels back the stuff that holds that light in. That stuff is mostly us. That's why I say fasting, we don't fast to God move. He says, I'm going to move you out of the way. 
<laughs> People aren't unlike that. Well, it's true. <laughs> Jen said to me, Jen said this to me. I told her I'm going to quote her today. She said this to me the other night. Sorry, I got all these burnt matches. Very interesting. Jen said this. She said, as I fast, we were just talking about it, we were praying. She says, I can feel God doing things in my heart, and some of them are so practical and so normal. You know some of the stuff she started to share with me? Some of the practical things around the house. She keeps an amazing, beautiful house. But there's certain schedules and t tasks and stuff you know you always want to get to, but you, it's like God has suddenly given her the grace to do all these things she's been trying to do. And she says, I feel God working in my heart for him and a hunger and just normal. It's just working in my heart and he's given me a grace to do things I've been trying to do for a while. So practical. Why? What is fasting? It's a chief way to humble yourself. God gives grace to the humble. So practical. Friends, fasting is so sometimes everyday life. It affects all sorts of things. We have a lady in the church that said she just, uh, she just didn't feel to fast, but she said she felt like God spoke to her to declutter her house. And I believe that's part of the corporate blessing. God spoke to her. Wonderful. Great. Hello? Yes, wonderful. So, then your light shall break forth like the morning. It's a big deal. Speaks of light twice in Isaiah 58. Friends, I cannot say it enough. You have a person in you, and he wants out. He wants out. He wants to touch and change and be practical, but also touch others. Will Johnson said it like this. We've all heard it. God is in you as a river, not as a lake. All right. That's enough on that point. Then it says, your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily. That simply means what it says. All forms of healing. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. I've done a lot of reading in this last week about, from secular people about the power of water fasting. I've long looked at water fasting clinics and all these things. Friends, the stuff that science and the the, the, the doctors today are discovering about water fasting. It's curing heart disease. It's curing all manners of arthritis. It's incredible things that it's doing. It cures allergies, all these other things from water fasting. God knew that here in Genesis. So it has natural things it can heal, but it also has spiritual things that can supernaturally take place. My son has allergies, severe allergies. And I committed this 21 days to just pray for him. Say, God, you've got to do something here. I can't fix that. But he can. And the Bible says that, so I do it. It says, your righteousness shall go before you. We've chatted about that. This says, the glory of the Lord. These are promises, friends, if you fast. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Now, the glory of God is not a small thing. It's the glory of the Lord. Hello? That's actually in reference to the fire in the cloud in the desert. That's speaking of protection. He comes behind you. It's like a parent with a child. I'll clean up after you again. He comes behind you. Cleans up your mess. 
The glory of the Lord shall be your rear garden. Luke 5, we see, we see a little bit of this. Luke 5, remember Luke 5, it was a question about fasting that Jesus answered when he said the difference between the old wineskin and the new wineskin. Remember that? What does that simply mean? That fasting is connected to the wine of the Spirit. Fasting is connected to the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. It just is. And you can say, well, why and why did... You go ahead and ask your questions. I just say, yes, Lord. You, God... I'm not, you said it, we do it. It's much easier. I'm trying to explain that to my son. Just say, yes, Dad, I said it, you do it. It's not, it's not working yet, but it's, I'm working. I'm working with him. And we're like that. My little son, my Matthew, my one-year-old, almost two, his favorite word, I think, right now is no. And sometimes it's actually, I've got to tell you, this is really cute. Sometimes when he says, okay, he doesn't say, okay, still learning to speak. He says, okay. So he says, okay, daddy. So that's his thing. Okay, daddy. So I'll say, Matthew, do this. No. Matthew, Matthew. And eventually, and I look at him and I say, say, okay. And he looks at me and goes, okay, daddy. Literally like that. <laughs> it's like, he's like, I want to do this. I'm not liking it. It's not even two. So it's interesting. Imagine how the Lord feels about us, right? The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Friends, that's to me just answered prayer. You've been praying for things for long term. Don't break through. Well, take out the key. Turn it a few times. And sometimes it's not the first time. So make it a lifestyle. Make it a lifestyle once a month. Many years ago, I'd just gone into ministry. I phoned my dad. I was 22 or something. I phoned my dad. I said, I feel, and I didn't like it. I said, I feel in my heart God's told me to fast the first three days of every month. And my dad said to me, I don't know if you remember this. My dad said to me, when did he tell you that? So I said, it was on Monday. I think it was some day he told me. And my dad said over the phone, because he was already in the States. He said, the Lord told me the same thing the same day. So I said to him, Dad, why the first three days? You know, I didn't know. He obviously did. He said, well, it's a tithe, son. First three days, three of 30. It's a tithe of your time. And I did that for seven or eight months. I tell you the things that happened in those seven or eight months, the, the supernatural stuff, not power. People came up to me every month, fact, and handed me cash for no reason. Stuff moved out of the way. Things changed in my life. Or it wasn't during the three days. It was something that built into a life. Well, it's not during the 21 days. It's what comes from it. And then I felt released from it. It's very, very powerful. And that's answered prayer. And it also means, he says, you shall cry and I shall say, here I am. It's ears that hear. Some of us feel like, I can't hear God. I encourage you to unblock your ears fast. Because he's speaking. It says, then again, your light shall dawn in the darkness. First it says, you shall take away the yoke from your midst. Again, that was then talking about social injustice. The pointing of the finger. I say that's religion. Well, you better do this and you better. The pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. If you extend it, it goes over the same things. Then your light, verse 10, shall dawn in the darkness. Again. What's that? Now you carry something. You're carrying something in you and people are aware of it where you go 
That guy carries something. That lady carries something. And everywhere you go, there's something that you hold. <laughs> he says, and the Lord will guide you continually. Who needs direction? Yes, please. Bible says there is a way that it seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That verse has made me question how to make decisions. Hello? I desperately for a season have wanted to talk about just choices. Friends, choices. Dwayne and I and Guy talk about it often. Choices. You want to make good choices? Well, the way that seems right to a man enters the way of death. Sometimes the, well, this is what we're going to do. Have you taken it before the Lord? Because he knows what you should do. And if you're struggling and there's no clarity, I can't hear, turn the key. Ian McKellar, one of my personal heroes. Who remembers Ian McKellar? He came here once or twice many years ago. He's one of my personal heroes. I love that man. He is, for me, like a Derek Prince of modern day. He knows the word. It's just amazing. And he said, because he sat under Derek Prince personally, and he said, Derek Prince told us, when we don't know what to do, fast. And it's so simple to him. So he said, I didn't know what to do. He had some major decisions. He said, I don't know what to do. You know what? He didn't fast for 40 days. He didn't fast for 21 days. He fasted for one day. Because God sees the heart. He said, so I took a day to fast, and I went for a walk on the beach. And by the end of the walk, I knew what to do. Simple. Turn the key. The Lord will guide you continually. And we go on. We're going to have to bring it to a close. He will satisfy your soul in drought. He will strengthen your bones. That's healing. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. That's actually speaking about wealth and prosperity. Those from among you, I love this, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. That's talking about, in their day, the rebuilding of Jerusalem. In our day, it's making a safe place, maybe a church. This, that, that there of build the old waste places, that's, old, that's digging wells, bringing up old truths of the Spirit like healing and the Holy Spirit and those kind of things. You shall raise up foundations for many generations. You shall be a repairer of the, of the breach, restore of the streets to dwell in. That can be true of a person. Hear me. Of a person, of a family, of a church, or of a nation. America, for many years, was that nation to the world. It can also be true of a person look at some of God's generals. It was true of them. You get around them, it's like an oasis. It can be true of a family, and sometimes in very practical ways. And I don't mean to point them out, but I think of the Malloys. You go to their home, and it's a breath of fresh air. Their family knows it. They have like a million grandkids. They all know it. It's just... It's a place of safety. We grew up in a home like that. Everyone came there because they loved just, there's something nice about your house. It can be true of any person, of any family, of any nation, and of any church. 
of any church. We'll end there. We'll end there. Friends, that's a lot of information. The last three weeks, some of you might be saying, well, I want to fast, but I can't remember all the lists and all the points and, and what am I supposed to You don't have to remember all that stuff. You don't. All I'm asking and all I'm trusting God to do is now when you fast, you do so with understanding. You do so with faith. 